All right, Taste Buds, we are back. House of Carbs coming at you live. It's September. We're all back from vacation. We're ready for action. Two things going on at The Ringer right now. Get yourself over to TheRinger.com. Hungry homies, chow down. Danny Chow, the food correspondent at The Ringer, has an unbelievable Chicago food diary I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to leave this food diary hungry. You're going to leave wanting to make plane tickets and arrangements to get yourself to Chicago. Danny covered a lot of bases, a ton of diversity, as you would expect in terms of the venues that he tried. He went high, he went low, and he tried a whole bunch of different uh, uh, ethnicities and so forth. Chicago, what a great food town. One of our country's very best. I, my own self, am going to have to get there. Chow down to Chicago Food Diary live at TheRinger.com right now. Also on The Ringer Podcast Network, this week's re- rewatchable. It's the 20th anniversary of the movie Rounders. Brian Koppelman's seminal and indispensable gambling. I mean, it really set the stage for poker to be acceptable in these United States of America. And we have to give some credit to Bill Simmons and Sean Fennessy for furthering the conversation. This week's rewatchables, a must listen. Rounders with Bill Simmons and Sean Fennessy. All right, my culinary comrades, my taste buds, my hungry homies, we're back. Yet another exciting edition of House of Carbs, a food podcast for the hungry people, by the hungry people, on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm your hungry host, Joe House. Thank you for joining us this week. We're back from vacation. We're hungry. We're ready to roll with some football food, some fall food. You know what fall food entails? There's always room on the menu for delicious chocolate chip cookies. The Minnesota State Fair just concluded, and we saw this story, this incredible story, Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar, the top-selling vendor, for over $4 million in revenue. We had to have Martha on. She is on this week's House of Carbs telling us all about what goes into these incredible cookies that they sell out of every year. 12 million cookies at the Minnesota State Fair. Of course, we have food news. Juliet is getting ready to go on a trip. We have given her some requests, some instructions. She's going to Europe. It's going to include the south of France. I think we're all going to enjoy her Instagram and Twitter coming up. Let's get into that belly. Let's talk some cookies, chocolate chip cookies with Sweet Martha of Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar. All right, my taste buds, as you know, here on House of Carbs, we have a a weekly beloved food news segment. And every once in a while, as we do our research, a story jumps up on on the radar and we say, oh my goodness, we, we, we must talk to this person. Today's guest, my taste buds, fits that bill. In case you were not aware, the Minnesota State Fair just concluded. It's a 12-day event. It wrapped up on September the 3rd. And today's guests, we're very pleased, very lucky. The the, the, uh, numbers for this year's event haven't come in, but Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar sold 
at least, at least, and we'll get some some hard data from, from our guests here in a second, one million cookies a day using 125,000 pounds of chocolate chips and almost 200 thousand pounds of sugar last year i know she 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 may be modest about it but last year i'm telling you sweet martha's cookie jar grossed over four million dollars martha rossini olson welcome to house of cards what an introduction thank you (laughs) you deserve it you deserve it so the most important thing i can't wait to start uh hearing this story but you survived another year Oh my gosh, did we ever. It was just a fantastic year and we beat our record last year with well we think over we're still counting some of those chocolate chips, but we are at least four and a half million dollars in oh. the twelve days. And and how many cookies? Oh my gosh. We're thinking at least well, you know, I've always say just I'm always sort of more conservative. So I yes. say, you know, a million a day, but I know on some of those busier days, we would sell about 3 million cookies in one day. Yeah, this Minnesota is what I love our chocolate chip cookies. And of course, we're right here from the, you know, St. Paul, Minnesota is right where I grew up. Actually, a couple blocks away from the Minnesota State Fair. I should say a couple miles. I'm, I'm a little bit further away is where I grew yeah. up. Sure, so that that that's wonderful. So I want to get to the backstory, but before we get there, since the fair just concluded, how long does it take you and the team to to wind down, to recover from from this this great event? We are still washing all of our pans at this moment. <laughs> We've got crews still going. It's been well, it will probably take at least two two and a half weeks to put to bed all three of our stands. Yeah, and, and and do you go on? When do you go on vacation? Well, then afterwards, if is the other thing we're doing is some um, additions to one of our stands. So we are going to continue to work on that. You know, probably through November. So oh, wonderful! Maybe after so, that. So it's yeah. it, the work continues. So let, let's tell all our friends out there a little bit. Let's give them an a, a understanding of the of the footprint. So the Minnesota State Fair is the uh, largest by daily attendance. I know the Texas State Fair is kind of the largest in volume, but the Minnesota That's State right. Fair by daily attendance is is the largest. Um, h- how many stands do you have? And h- let's just tell folks a little bit about the background. Yes, well, um, we started out at the fair in 1979. This was our 40th year, and we started in a very small 9 by 11 stand. And um, from there, now we've expanded. Throughout the years, we had about six or seven moves into different stands, and now we're up to three stands, and we employ about 750 people during the 12 days. So back in um, the late 70s when we started, it was, you know, quite small. And and what's wonderful about the fair is we have the year to sort of process what we've done and what we can change and how we can make things better. So that's wonderful about this fair. And And it's just been a wonderful growth 
all the way through. Right. So was this your 40th year or your 39th year? It was, well, it's like, how do you count that, you know? Yeah, right, right. (laughs) Um, We started in 1979. Yeah, you've been doing it a long time. That's the answer. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that is the answer. How do you count that? And, and uh, you you mentioned starting off in just kind of a single stand. How how did that come to pass? Have have you grown up with cookies in 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 your life? I mean, did you know that you wanted to be making millions and millions of cookies for folks at the Minnesota State Fair all your life? Not at all. I was and continue to be for years an elementary school art teacher. And in 78, my husband and I and um, my partner, Neil O'Leary, and my husband, Gary, we opened up a frozen yogurt shop downtown Minneapolis, and we were also selling toppings of um, chocolate chip cookies for our frozen yogurt, and that spurred the idea. So, again, growing up, a few miles away from the fair, it was always our dream, all three of us, to have a stand at the um, Minnesota State Fair. So what we did is we applied for frozen yogurt because our our yogurt people said, hey, we'll give you a trailer, we'll give you free product, just if you can get our our name in front of the fairgoers. We applied for that and then was rejected for a few years, but then the next year along the way, we also applied for cookies. So three weeks before the fair opened, someone canceled, and they gave me a call down at the yogurt shop, and they said, hey, do you want to be at the fair? And I said, oh, of course, thinking it was going to be for yogurt because we knew yogurt like the back of our hand. And yeah. they said, no, with your cookies. And I said, of course we would, you know, hung up and went, ah, no, what are we going to do? <laughs> so in three weeks, we put together our little stand and I took the recipes from our moms and looked at those, uh, checked with um, the um, at the Botech guy that was um, teaching like baking and uh, chef school, went down to him because, you know, you sort of can't do, you know, a recipe times a thousand without figuring out some of the science and the uh, molecular structures of some of the things. So went down and sort of pieced together this recipe. And, but our main key was we always wanted to make it from scratch right on site, just like our moms did, you know, back in the day. So that's what we were aiming to do. The other right. piece, too, was always to buy the best ingredients that money could buy. So anyone uh, that stopped by our home uh, before the fair was always uh, sampling chocolate chips. So we ended up, Joe, with this recipe where we have the sweet batter with a bittersweet chocolate chip ah. using the best chip with high cocoa content that money can buy. So we started out with that uh, recipe and we tweaked it a little here and there, but basically it's been the same recipe ever since. You know, the the tagline is oven hot baked on the spot, but um, I, I, I love hearing this detail because it lets folks in and I'm, I'm learning as you're describing it, you weren't prepared to cook cookies to scale. 
uh, when, when you agreed to your very first adventure here at the Minnesota State Fair. So all of these are the considerations that go into it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And then there's a lot of different really areas of thought that when you're doing things at a fair that are different maybe than a restaurant. I think some of these things, of course, overlap, but it's, it's something, too, where you're thinking about your consumer is actually going to be taking this product and eating it, like, right away. Or, um, like, um, some people, like, would put cookies in bags or some other thing to hold it. And what we started out with was a cone of cookies. And we still have our cone of cookies, um, which like a friend a of mine. Cone? That's right. It's okay. sort of yes, very similar. Um, you know, like a water cone that you have by the cooler. Yes. Except you can get those in larger sizes. Okay. And the reason that we thought that that would be a good vessel to hold our cookies is because the customer would have to eat them right, you know, as they're walking down the street. And I went, that's our marketing right there. And um, so we we started with our Kona cookies. And then as years went by, people were wanting more volume. So we ended up with our pail of cookies, which holds at least four dozen cookies. And again, these cookies are not large cookies. They're about mm, two and a half inches in diameter. They're more snack size. Oh, perfect eating size. Exactly. So we ended up with this pail, and we we actually do um, have additional cookies at the top, so that when they you know when they, they have to eat some before they uh, close the, <laughs> the pail. But again, there again is the nice marketing that um, when people are walking around the fair, you can see a lot of people with our pail of cookies. So yeah, and I, I want to spend just. Uh, a minute or two on the pail because I, I had the opportunity to see it online. I've seen people carrying it and I think you're being just a smidge modest. So just so people get uh, listening to this, get an, a, a, a comprehension. It holds like Martha said four more than four dozen cookies. It is yeah. like an oversized uh, KFC chicken bucket. Uh, and it's, it's plastic. And the brilliant thing that Martha and her team have come up with, they take the lid and they wedge it in between the pail handle and the side of the bucket. And they create a backboard so that you can fill the cookies all the way up to the brim. And then the backboard is there and they fill these cut cookies up to the very top of the backboard. So that (laughs) as Martha is, is saying, you have to eat some cookies to be able to even walk away from the stand right away. And you're getting them perfectly hot, exactly the way that Martha and her team intended. And then, you know, you have to be uh, industrious and thoughtful about what you're going to do with all the cookies at the top. If you're not prepared to eat 10 cookies right away. Am, Am I right, Martha? That's exactly right, Joe. You described that perfectly. And, and, and I loved one of the things that I saw. Um, you recently had a campaign where you asked folks to show you some of the other uses, the ways that they put the pail to use. <laughs> what were some of the best things that you saw? Oh, well, they used them, you know, of course, actually being our teacher, I was the first to use them as uh, crayon buckets. They work great there in an art room, but uh, many people store many things in them. 
it, it's fun, you know, like you might go to a uh, gas station and you see up on the, the shelf, someone's got like uh, nuts and bolts in them, or people use them for, of all things, cookies. Because we actually also have our frozen dough that we sell in the grocery stores. So, right. in so fact, can we... we just had a, a, la- a launch of our frozen dough. And we, we again, wanted the uh, customer to have the same experience that they have at the fair, where they have to bake them themselves so you can get them again, oven hot, you know, baked on your spot. And um, what's happened recently is we were just, uh, we just went national. So people across the country now can get our cookies in their their actual Target store has, got, yes. has gone national with them. So, so. So that that will be me. I'll be trying some of your cookies <laughs> with the frozen dough, but I really feel like I need to come to Minnesota and attend the state fair to get Absolutely, them the way. Absolutely, Joel. We'd love to have you. Got to come next year. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna come I next will year. I'll give you a personal tour. <laughs> well, one one of the that, that's I'm gonna ask you about this personal tour in a second because I am curious. But I wanted to kind of finish finish the thought a little bit in terms of your footprint in Minnesota. Um, just so people understand, you don't um, have a brick and mortar store where you sell cookies every single day, right? No, no. Yes, you have some events uh, where you bring a trailer or so forth and cook them, but but you know, is is, is that right? That's exactly right for the most part. Now, when we were, um, you know, in the last number of years ago, we used to go around the city with different events where we'd bring our trailer. But now we just figured there's no place like home. We love the fairgrounds. All of our equipment is here. And we do events, sort of warm-up events, before the fair that are at the Minnesota State Fair. So it it, it makes it uh, so much easier on us now. And and like I say, we can check all of our equipment. It's, It's idle, of course during the winter months so we get everything rolling again to make sure we're all primed for the 12 days of the Minnesota State Fair. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about that equipment and the structures you have at the fair. When was it exactly when you went from kind of your um, handmade stand into something more permanent at the fair? Well, our first permanent stand we've got in 1992. And at that stand, we had we got our first rack oven. In our small stand, we had an oven that would bake about 200 cookies in about 12 minutes. Whereas in this stand, we got this rack oven, and it's a, a commercial oven where you actually have a rack filled with cookies. It's about 2,000 cookies. And you roll it into, you know, it's like a big closet. Except yep. in one corner, it's got the um, convection, the air coming out all the way down. So you get a nice, even bake. And it picks up this rack and twirls it around while it's baking. And I, I have to tell you, Joe, in that first stand, because we had room for it. And it, and it has to be vented. And, you know, it's definitely permanent. You're not moving that anyplace. Yeah. But we really thought, you know, we've got, we just set up our two easy chairs there and push the button and there are our cookies and we could just relax because we'd have those 2000 cookies in 12 minutes. <laughs> well, 
fast forward to now, where we now have three stands um, that have, well, total of the number of rack ovens now we have are 20. So we can make about 40,000 cookies in 12 minutes. So that's when we have these big crowds. That's, of course, we have all those ovens going in each of the stands, and that's what we're able to produce. So it's really been, you know, I'll never forget the first time I'm like, okay, I got to figure out how many cookies we can make in 12 minutes, you know. And I'd figure it out, and I'd go, oh, no, no, that can't be right. You know, until I figure it out again, I go, oh, my gosh. Well, and and how many folks, how many people do you have across the three stands helping you? Oh, uh, well, we hire about 750. So in each stand, I suppose, throughout the day, we have shifts that run from, well, on weekends, we start at like five in the morning preparing because the minute we open those stands, we start getting people because, you know, of course we go, well, there's eggs in it for breakfast, you know. And ah. you can just eat cookies any time of the day as far as That's we're concerned. That's true. Very true. And it is literally, though, in Minnesota, the State Fair is such a food palace. I mean, everyone sort of throws out their diet for the day. And, you know, you just eat whatever food you want at any time. So... That's sort of the mantra around here. So many people start in the morning and then pick it up on their way out the door at night. So I, I love it. it. You're, you're talking great. my language. Uh, you, you mentioned touring the fair. Are you able to enjoy the fair? Are you able to walk around at all? Really, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know like, how you could. Like I say, I... I have the Bermuda Triangle, I call it. I go between the three stands, which is a triangle. So we're, you know, we're, we're quite busy just keeping uh, everything rolling. Yes. I mean, the, the day seems to be 24 hours. And, of course, I'm not here for the deliveries. We get to each stand about nine pallets of ingredients delivered each day. And when we first started out getting really busy, you know, I said to our people, our Gregory Fulop, who delivers this, these ingredients daily, um, you know, we're going to need you probably to um, deliver, you know, in the middle of the night. And they go, well, we really don't have people in the middle of the night to deliver. So I said, well, um, you know, suit yourself. You can, you have to be off the fairgrounds by eight in the morning. So sure enough, after the first day, they called and said, you know what? We're going to deliver in the middle of the night because it's just so much to deliver and there are no people around. But that's another key to our um, experience here at the fair is we've got to have good service people that like, again, ingredients are delivered to each three stands in the middle of the night. Um, We have people on call for fixing our ovens, um, you know, electrical plumbing, all those people, we have 24-hour service because, again, we're only there for 12 days, and every day counts. You can't have any breakdowns or anything happens. So our preparation is very key to make sure everything is going and continues to go for those 12 days. Unfortunately, though, we, you know, we we use our equipment very hard. I mean, those ovens are going from the morning till then we have the grandstand show get out. And so they're going many times past 12 
p.m. you know at night yes, 12 a.m. Yes. so right. they're being used you know a long time everything is so we have to make sure everything's going of course i i i'm going to ask this this i'm only half kidding have you talked to uh, anybody at either the state government level or the federal government level about logistics planning? You know, it seems like uh, <laughs> we, folks could take a couple lessons uh, for, from what you're able to pull off each year. This is a massive undertaking that you're able to it successfully really execute. I mean, I, I, I am curious. Has anybody ever approached you and said, can we, ha- can we talk logistics? No, but I mean, I love the whole organizational thing about it and always having, again, we've got our managers. We have this team of uh, 20, 25 people that we meet with. You know, we start meetings in March and we are and uh, the schedule, believe it or not, starts in March and April. We start getting people um, who are all referred and, of course, a lot of family. I mean, I have had like Greg across the street from from yes. me where I grew up. I yeah. he's you know I babysat for him. He still works for us. You know he's That's been great. working all forty years. Kelly Flynn, all these people have been working forever for us, and they are so key. And we have all these meetings uh, to prepare to make sure we've got everything running smoothly. So, and wow. even to train in all these people uh, for the twelve days. Well, and, at, uh, you know, been a feat, that's for sure. At an absolute minimum, it's a, it'd be a fascinating uh, business school case study, um, you know, just sure. sort of the rise of it and what you've done. I mean, if it hasn't already happened, I think you, the people yeah, at Harvard would it, be interested actually, in talking to you. Yeah, yeah, it has. We've we yeah. got a couple of universities around that have done that, too. It's of course, of course. It makes a lot of sense. It's, it's an incredible operation. I have one more question for you. And and it's yes. this. Do, do you bake at home? Do I bake at home? <laughs> <laughs> well, you have cookies covered. You don't need to bake at home. Aren't around, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but, you... uh, yeah. In fact, yeah. Our kids, of course. Now, um, I have two, and Neil has one. Neil and Brenda have one. So the kids are working right with us now, and my kids are now in their thirties and have taken over the new stand that we just built. Our third stand in a permanent location so but um i don't do that much now but uh <laughs> i sure used to and I, then i i, uh, I had these these my children i'd always make uh you know trying to do the four square meals and all that growing yes. up and these kids you know by the time they'd come to dinner, my gosh, I'm like, I get, you know, everything on the table and this and that. They'd hardly be eating anything. I went, oh, they just, you know, sort of the quick metabolism. Well, it turns out, I find years later, Joe, we had, after the fair, we'd make those logs of cookie dough. Yes. You know, and freeze them. Okay. Yep. So here they are. I didn't know. I find out later. They're downstairs in the freezer with their buddies, you know, taking out one of those logs and eating those before dinner all the time. No wonder <laughs> they weren't eating. They just grew up on cookie dough. <laughs> That's fantastic. <laughs> That's so good. Well, you can't blame yeah. them. They're, they're, it's, it's delicious cookie dough. That's a perfect segue. There we go. 
Yeah, Sweet Martha's cookie jar, the frozen dough that her kids were stealing from the freezer downstairs, now available to you, my hungry homies, at Target's nationwide. But really, uh, the way that Martha and I are going to enjoy these, you need to figure out how to block off some time. It's the end of August to into early September, the Minnesota State Fair 2019. I am, I'm coming, Martha. We have to get together, and awesome. I need to try these cookies. Oh, I can't wait for to give you the tour. That That's wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today on House of Carbs. Martha Rossini Olson, thank you. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. What a great conversation. All my thanks and love to Martha Olson of Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar. I can't wait to get out to the Minnesota State Fair. Of course, we have some wonderful news. That is food news coming up. But first, my hungry homies, a nice word from our good friends at Les Crusades. Hungry homies, as a chef or, or a home cook, we're always talking about finding and sourcing the best quality ingredients. We're looking for suppliers that can give us the right cookware and tools using the right cookware and tools is very important just as important as the best quality ingredients Le Creuset was the first to pioneer colorful enameled cookware over 90 years ago with that history and experience they produce the finest quality and design and they've been a favorite for generations through the meals and memories they create and the style it expresses they were the first to introduce color to the kitchen. They are a pioneer in the enameled cast iron, the superior heat retention of cast iron paired with unparalleled performance and the ease of enamel. All cast iron is still made in France since 1925 in an original French foundry. Each piece of cast iron is touched by 15 pairs of craftsmen's hands. These are original heirlooms, original heirloom cookware, and they're backed by a lifetime warranty. Bold colors and timeless designs allow for an expression of personal style in the kitchen and beyond. I'm telling you, my hungry homies, I have a beautiful Le Creuset crock pot, and we are right on the brink of the season when I love to break this thing out and make some glorious soups, stews, and chili. I'm not going to share my chili recipe until it's official chili season. I need to see the leaves turn, but I'm telling you, I have a spectacular chili recipe, and it's beautiful in my bright red Le Creuset crock pot. My friends, how about this one? I'm going to have to check this out. Check out the new color from Le Creuset, just launched in September. That's right now. It's indigo, the truest blue, inspired by the iconic natural dye. It's a rich, deep hue of Le Creuset's indigo, and it's universally authentic, a timeless, true blue, and bold, neutral in style and cultures around the world. How about this? You can get free shipping right now if you order this beautiful piece at lecrusade.com slash carbs and you just enter promo code carbs that's lecrusade.com slash carbs and then enter promo code carbs for free shipping of this beautiful Le Creuset indigo or any piece that catches your fancy let's go do it 
All right, hungry homies. It is now time for food news. Yo, Juliet. Hey, hey, hey. What's up? Haven't talked to you in a minute, house. I know we we had summer come to a close. Tough. And we took a little bit of break to to reset. We were we I got my R and R knocked out there at the very end of August, beginning of September. But you have your own R and R coming up. We are as we're taping this right this minute on a Wednesday afternoon. You have a flight coming up. I do. As soon as we're done, I'm leaving. I am going to France and England uh, as soon as I'm done with this podcast. I can't wait. I'm going to the south of France. Going to go all over the Côte d'Azur. And then I'm going to London just because who doesn't want to go to London? So I'm really pumped. I actually only have like two things on the books for when I'm in London. One is seeing Hamilton. Duh. And the other is a breakfast at the Wolseley, which I'm really excited about. Heard is really good. Wonderful. Yeah. Have you been there? I'm. I, I'm not, but the, it's legendary and, yeah. the, you know, the reputation obviously precedes it. Yeah. So I'm really excited about the soft scramble. That's next Thursday. I can't wait. I'll, I will definitely report back. Also, I'll be drinking a lot of tea. I love tea. So I'm, I'm pumped for that. In oh, as okay. Well. Yeah. Well, so the, the thing that we need out of you is pictures. Okay. I'll do it for the, for Can the hungry homies. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. For the hungry homies. Yeah. No and problem. Especially, I mean, you know, Lon- London's wonderful, but South of France, I mean, come on. I know. I also, I let, think it's, I let heard me it's live like, a little. I heard it's like grape harvesting season. So like, it's a good time to go for, for the wine or something like that. Maybe that's not true because wine sits for a while anyway, but someone told me it was good, a good wine season. So I'm in, I'm excited. Yeah. Who, who cares? If, yeah. I mean, any season in the south of France is a good <laughs> grape season, a good wine season, as I'm far as I'm to, concerned. I'm hoping to meet, meet some rich people and sneak my way onto some fancy yachts, but who knows? I'll I'll take whatever yes. I get. I'm just so, I'm so excited. Do it. Do it. We I need can't yacht wait. pictures. Yeah. I, I'll, yeah. I'll document all right. it all. Follow me on Instagram, at Juliette Littman. <laughs> I, I do. House I know. House of Carbs does. I know. I appreciate it. I appreciate it very yes. much. <laughs> so we will see. we will see these beautiful things. Uh, and I, let's just leave it at that. I mean, I, we don't have to get more, any, any more specific about the, where you may go, what you may eat, what, what you, your, you know, where your belly is going to lead you. We're just going to let, let this adventure unfold in front of us. I will come back with tons of tales and I'm also open to suggestions. If you've got them, tweet at me at Juliette Lippman listeners, dear listeners. <laughs> That's a great suggestion, right? Cause the hungry homies out there, they will belly source for you. Oh yeah. So don't, you know. As you as you find yourself with opportunities, hit them up on the Twitter and the and the uh, Instagram. Yeah, They'll come I, back. They're, I check they're, my they're, DMs. They're faithful, the hungry homies. Absolutely. So yeah, let me know where to go. I love a good rec- recommendation, referral with a personal touch. I'm down for it. Word up. Should we do the food news? Let's talk about some stories. Okay. First story is about Domino's, my favorite fast food pizza. And uh, this is a funny one. You, I think we discussed when Domino's um, started giving out unlimited pizza for life, basically. I believe we discussed it. Uh, they've quickly learned it was a bad idea. This story comes to us from the New York Post, and the headline is, Domino's realizes free pizza for life promotion was a bad idea. Domino's Pizza in Russia was forced to end a promotion offering fans free pizza for life if they got the brand's logo tattooed in a prominent place on their body after the campaign became too popular. The promotion was originally advertised to run for two months, starting August 31st, but the pizza chain ended it only five days in after its social media was flooded with excited pizza fanatics all proudly displaying their Domino's tattoo. 
The advertisement promised up to 100 free Domino's pizzas every year for 100 years to anyone who got the tattoo of the company's logo, posted the photo on social media, and provided the authenticity of the ink. The company clearly was not expecting so many fans to go under the needle for free pizza, and they ended the promotion announcing only the first 350 people would get it. Um, House, this is amazing, and I have a really important it- take. <laughs> Oh, good, good. So I my, my take, and I'll get, get through it very quickly so we can get to your important take. It feels like uh, Domino's underrated two important things. First of all, uh, they underrated the moment that we are in right now with, with tattoos. Like folks don't yeah, need very do little it. incentive to go put a tattoo on their body. Secondly, it feels like they underrated their logo. It's a very cool logo. I was, That's what I was going to say. The logo is cool. And also straightforward and not that weird. And so it's like, yeah, I'll get that tattooed on my body. I love pizza. Why not? Like, it's not such a crazy logo. And they also, it could be small. Like, there weren't enough restrictions on this that that made it hard to accomplish. So it's like, yeah, sure. Get a Domino's piece on your on your body. Who cares? <laughs> Clearly, three. they had to cap it off. Now, 100 pizzas a year for life. Um doesn't feel like it would be that crazy expensive to Domino's, but I guess if if their concern was, you know, they had a budget, they allocated a certain number, they had a ceiling in mind, and they they clearly blew through that ceiling much quicker than they anticipated. Yes. But I just wonder, like, how, how the numbers work. This is going to be a very numbers-heavy podcast today. We had on uh, a sweet, sweet Martha Rossini Olson from Sweet Martha's Cookie Jar in Minnesota, the 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 doyen of of the Minnesota State Fair with her chocolate chip cookies, they sell millions of chocolate chip cookies at the Minnesota State Fair, and so I had to ask her about Amazing. all of the logistics. It's just insane. Amazing. Like, I, I wonder with this Domino's thing, if you're doing the math, like a hundred pizzas a year, uh, how many people? So like you know, three they they cut it off at three fifty, but mm-hmm. when when does it start to cost them something? Probably around then. They're probably like, oh, $350,000 or something. I mean, it's not, they're not each $100. 350,000 pizzas for free. That's a lot. Although Russia's a big country. My, my other takeaway is many more tattoo artists in Russia than I would have guessed. I, 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 I guess that's right. I mean, I don't have a good grasp of Russian culture. Me neither. Uh, We're like in a new Cold War, so we'll probably never learn and only live on stereotypes. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know what the youth are into, though. Me it's too. It's clear that they like their Domino's. I've heard St. Petersburg is really cool. I like Domino's, too. I, I totally get it. I heard good reviews of folks who went to St. Petersburg for the soccer. Oh, cool. I forgot they liked, the World they, Cup they, was there. They felt very safe. It felt very clean. I I don't know. There might be an, a dark underside for how it is that the, the city sort of presented itself that way. But um, foreign travelers gave it thumbs up from yeah. different walks of life in, yeah. in my life. I've heard good things about it. I had friends who went for a wedding, believe it or not. Um, speaking of sports, sure. good transition house. This is not about soccer, but it is about another very popular sport. It's related to football and the Super Bowl. This is a story from a where else but Nesson.com. And the headline is Dunkin' Donuts apologizes for Eagles Super Bowl Cups in New England stores. New England Patriots fans received unwanted surprises recently when Dunkin' Donuts served them beverages out of cups, which commemorated the Eagles Super Bowl 52 triumph over their beloved Pats. The Canton, Massachusetts-based company apologized for the mix-up, saying it accidentally shipped Eagles World Champion Cups to some stores in New England instead of more appropriate places like eastern Pennsylvania, southern New Jersey, the Middle Atlantic Ocean, 
or the moon. Oh, Nesson, how funny. Some Patriots fans express their outrage, outrage over the mistake in person and on social media. Um, one person said, I thought, is this some kind of joke? This is Patriots Nation. Uh, <laughs> the Dunkin' Donuts apologized, saying, we appreciate our loyal customers for bringing this to our attention. And we are taking steps to ensure all of our local stores are stocked with the correct cups, Dunkin' Donuts said in a statement, per Jim Hand of the Sun Chronicle. And then they added, go Pats. Um, considering that the, the Dunkin' Donuts was like a very longtime sponsor of the Patriots, and I'm just looking at Gronk in front of a step and repeat, and I don't see the logo anymore. Conspiracy theory. What if it wasn't a mistake? Yeah, I'm with you. I feel like somebody in the Dunkin' Donuts hierarchy, if, if we went through, you know, either the board or the, the C-level, the C-suite, or, you know, somebody, some decision maker in the chain there that's high enough up to be able to brush off any static did a little trolling of Patriots Nation. That's that's my theory. I I will say this though, Juliet. I my own self had my own uh, slightly inexplicable encounter with a Dunkin' Donuts cup bearing an NFL team at National Airport, Reagan National Airport here in Washington D.C. I was traveling a couple of weeks ago. I went and got a coffee. New York Jets was on the cup. Oh. Maybe someone's just trolling inside Duncan. They're just like, let's cause mayhem with NFL fans. <laughs> yeah, but NFL fans in Washington don't care about the Jets. It's sure. not, that's not a good troll. If it had been Dallas, there would have been, you know, people would have just not ordered coffee. Now, they, the funny thing with Dunkin' Donuts in New England is it's a, it's an institution. It's yeah, cultural. Of course. It's, a, it's, a, it's a crucial lifestyle. Dunkin' element. Donuts so and mass holes go hand right. in hand. Right, exactly. They're they're, they're not right, going to skip the coffee because they have the because it has they have eagle cups. <laughs> of course not. I I love Dunkin' by the way. I as a New Yorker, I love it. When one opened near my parents like my senior year of high school, and I was so excited. It was like it was huge. It, it it was the coffee that was available to me when I became really aware of and and of, of coffee drinking age as a young uh, college student in New England. So I also have a very soft spot for the Duncan. That's lovely. You know, I got into it in college. Like, I, I was excited already, but then I was really loved it in college. I lived right near one of my junior and senior year. Shout out to Dunkin' Donuts in Evanston. Actually, there were two in downtown Evanston, one in the L station and then, like, one on the street. So it was, like, really had a big presence. It was great stuff. Um, I hope they're trolling. Troll story is always very fun. Um, Me too. Okay, final story of the day before I go on vacation. That's correct. Um, this is from Food and Wine magazine, and the headline is pretty good. It's about um, it says "Watch a man break the record for breaking walnuts with his head." So you can go, you can just Google it. Watch a man break the record for breaking walnuts with his head. Food and wine. You'll find this if you want to watch it. And here's the deal: um, competitive eaters battle it out for the title of who can shove more food in their mouth. And that is certainly enthralling, says Food & Wine magazine. And I agree. And they point to this video. They say, check out the video Guinness World Records unveiled yesterday of one of these records being smashed. Most walnuts cracked against the head in one minute. <laughs> uh, there's a, it's a Pakistani man named Muhammad Rashid, and he's a martial arts instructor who, among other records, currently holds a record for most green coconuts smashed with the head in one minute. Uh, he used to hold the record for most walnuts crushed with his head, but his reign in the walnut category is no more. 
because this has been Brooklyn. Clearly, walnuts and coconuts are two completely different ball games. Coconuts are like the softball of smashing food with your head, whereas walnuts are like the golf of smashing food with your head. <laughs> it's pretty amazing to watch if you watch the video. And I like that they point out he's a martial arts instructor because it does. It is like a. It's like he approaches like a sport, and and having these records takes a lot of dedication. Like anyone who's a professional athlete. Well, the the story. Uh, goes on to say, and I'm going to open up this video. I won't. I won't subject people to the sound of it while we're talking right now. But it says that that uh, it takes a lot. There is a person observing. It takes a lot of practice, six to seven hours yeah. daily. And I kind of understand that because you want to have the technique down uh, in a way, first and foremost, that that doesn't um, cause you great lacerations to your forehead and your face, the bridge of your nose. But secondly, also to to really uh, hone in on the most effective and efficient technique for multiple uh, nuts at a time. The question I have is, when you get started, how do you avoid the injury? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't seem like you can avoid it. It seems like you need to have some other special training beforehand. Like, you can't just, like, be instantly become a head smasher. Like, you need to have a martial arts, arts background, basically. But e even with that martial arts background... I can't think of objects that those folks um, bend with their, you know, break with their heads that would are, are reasonable proxies for walnuts. Walnuts are too small. <laughs> I know like that's coconuts true. have enough surface area. I understand a coconut. It's like not that dissimilar from a small board. Um, I know. I agree with you. I, you know, maybe we should try to get get one of these world record breakers or attempting to break them on the pod. Well, this gentleman. Where's he from? He's not from around. He's Pakistani. Here. Oh, no. He's in from India. I right? yeah. see here. Yeah. S. Naveen Kumar. Oh, the current, yeah, the current, the current world record is, is Indian. Yes. Maybe field yeah. trip. You know, we wanted to go to Toronto, but let's just dream bigger. Go to the, <laughs> go, to, go to India. <laughs> well, this is the one thing that I'm most jealous about as it relates to your trip to London, and that's the Indian food in London. Whisper, I don't like Indian food that much. Wow. I know. It's See, like this is this is was I love doing this with you because I learned so many new, new and exciting <laughs> things. Um, I'm pretty embarrassed by it. I I don't know. I just like I don't like curry. I also don't like Thai curry. It's just not the flavor palette's not really for me. But I'm gonna try Well and also you know, it's so popular in London though. I feel like I need to give it another shot. Like maybe find like the best place and or something. Yeah, and, and we should find a version where we can give we, where we can try and find, you know, the the Litman style of doing this, which yeah. is you know some spreads, I know some some dips, you're right, some, some you know. Now they do. I love the raita, the the yogurt, but that's that tends to be pretty thin. You can't really you can dip the the bread in there, the pori or the naan, and have a delicious, you know, um, and and relatively healthy uh, yogurt bread kind of vibe. But that's not. I don't think that that fits your kind of profile well, in terms of the dips and the spreads that you love. I do sometimes like a sag paneer, actually. I should take that back. But I also think like Indian food, India is such a huge country with so much geographic and cultural diversity. Probably like the American Indian food is like, I think is like kind of standard the way that Americans think of Indian food. I bet there is some that I like in some, some region or something like that. I just need to get more creative, give it another shot. I like this. You know, what you've done is just spurred my own interest. I, I, I am now going to take it upon myself to find a preeminent chef or, or cook, Indian cook, and we're going to have them on the show. And we're going to try and find the, the, the goal of, of that interview, 
will be to find a version of Indian food because you've observed it. It's an enormous country with a no- with a great population yeah. and, and a myriad and infinite number of micro cuisines and and ways of doing their food. And we have kind of our own uh, standard idea of what it means to have Indian food when we order it from here, but. Uh, you know, we're now in this era where you can really specialize, and I bet there is a version of Indian food that will fit just what you're after. Yeah, I mean, this is this is a good uh, journey for us. We'll make it work. House, we're gonna we're gonna make it work. You're <laughs> gonna make it work in about three hours after yes. you're headed off. I'm out to 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 the to the euro zone. Do you, are you using dollars or euros? What are you bringing? Um, you know, I have some pounds that I have for my last trip to London and I'll be getting euros. Oh, you got to use up the pounds. I for know. Sure. For t- I know. Um, you know, it's actually a great time to go because both the euro and the pound are so weak against the dollar right now because of the Brexit and just like general, uh, uh fine, yeah, finance I mean, in America and uh, the world. We, should we say congrats Trump on that? Um, no, I don't want to say that. <laughs> Um, no. <laughs> Last. Well, let's let's move past that. Yeah. I'm just so excited to see the cheese, the cheese and the bread. Just just overdo that. You can't do enough cheese and you bread. You don't need to tell me twice. You don't need to tell me yeah, twice. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Talk All to right, you soon. Juliet. Eat great. I can't wait to follow along on the Instagram and the Twitter. <laughs> Thanks, House. I'll talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. All right, my taste buds, there we go. Another unbelievable house of carbs in the books. You heard her say it. Let's all get on the Instagram and the Twitter. We're following along with Juliet Littman. The handle is the same on the Twitter and the Instagram. At Juliet Littman, there are going to be some unbelievable stories. South of France, London, England, she is going to be doing some eating. Of course, we shall be back next week without Juliet because she's going to be in Europe doing unbelievable eating. But we're we're going to press forward, press on. We have a, a very special guest coming up. I'm not going to tease it, but we are going to talk about football and food on next week's show. Until then, my hungry homies, let's stay hungry out there.